Welcome back to the Pilgrim Faith Podcast, where human wonder fuels the quest for Christian wisdom. I'm delighted to be joined with my good friend Dale Stenberg today, and we're going to talk, surprise, surprise, about C.S. Lewis, and particularly in this uh, instance, C.S. Lewis' notion of of the inner ring, which he develops in, a, of course, a famous essay that he delivers, if I recall, to a series of uh, uh, college graduates. I think it was a collegiate essay right. that he's giving to college yeah. graduates. And it is, of course, a, a, a theme that is explicit, as, 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 as Lewis often sort of pings his prose writing to his didactic writing, uh, so the theme of the inner ring quite explicitly and in in so many words shows up all over in the story of that hideous strength about Mark Stucker, mm-hmm. you know, this guy, character named Mark, whose uh, life is largely determined, relationship choices in his life is, is largely determined by uh, his desire to be a part of what Lewis wants to term the inner ring. And that's very explicit uh, in, in the story in an interesting way. But uh, Lewis is... Uh, Lewis is, uh, you might say, like kind of the example he's thinking of, the exhibit A of belonging to the inner ring for Lewis is probably in terms of his metaphors and such, or or in terms of his his kind of instantiation of it, tends to be uh, kind of the, the, the way that manifests in sort of a big bureaucratic structure, which was very common for men during his time and in the middle of the 20th century to belong to kind of a big bureaucracy and rise up the ranks within that bureaucracy access and so forth. And of course, that still exists in the world, but I think it would be interesting to uh, uh, think through his analysis relative to what that looks like in our own circumstance what does sort of pull toward the inner ring look like in an ordinary way Mm. what's our exhibit a perhaps but maybe i can toss it to you dale i think uh i most recently read that hideous strength and i think you most recently read the essay uh the inner ring uh maybe you Mm. can kind of remind the audience for those who haven't heard of it what 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 is sort of lewis basic idea that he's developing in the inner ring uh and then we can maybe think through you know, what is that? How, is, is that a relevant, does, does that relevant, does that have a, is that, is there a label there that kind of relevantly captures something about our moment as well as his own? Yeah. Well, I think to just answer that question immediately. Yes. <laughs> um, the thing that Lewis is so good at is just pointing at a very obvious phenomena and drawing our attention to it in a very explicit way and then using language to explain the phenomena in a way that we might not have ever considered, right? Um, So he basically says, this is just reality. It's just part of life that there are inner rings. You know, he mentions, like you you talked about um, in the corporate world, he's got this one paragraph where he says, you know, a man might lament the fact that he's asked to stay late for working on a particular project with a group of people, Um, And he will feel terrible about giving up his Saturdays to do so, but to not be included in the group is a more terrible thing for the man, right? Um, So he's, he's saying that even if we find ourselves in a position, like, so let's just say work for right now, where we get approached by such and such, and he says, hey, you know, me and Gary really need a really need a hand with this project and you're the guy and together we and Lewis draws our attention to the power of that word we 
uh, we need to stay late to, to work on it. There's a sense of satisfaction that one finds in being included in the we. Um, right. And to be excluded from the we is uh, almost psychological torture. Mm. Um, and then we find ourselves uh, noticing this in every uh, area of society, really, like in friendship groups. Um, if there's a group of men that are sort of uh, known for being together consistently and they're, they're a group, uh, then one might try to pine to get themselves within range of the border of the group. Uh, but in doing that, what he notices is that he's actually an outsider. And that feeling of being an outsider is just too much for some people. And their desire to get inside of the ring, to get inside of the circle, can actually uh, um, deform your soul and cause you to do horrible things to find yourself in the middle of a ring. Mm -hmm. um, and that's interesting because uh, Lewis says that the 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 fact that these you know rings and there are concentric circles of rings that move outward um that he says we just notice as we get older the layers he, he uses the uh analogy of an onion we think that there's one ring but actually once we tear get inside of that ring there's a further ring inside and now your whole life is trying to go all the way to inside of all the rings but he says of course then when you peel all the layers off the onion let uh, there's no onion left uh it's almost a meaningless pursuit um uh but he he's he calls the rings neutral they're not evil and they're not good they're just sort of neutral it's right. the motivation to pursue getting inside of the ring that is either evil or should be rewarded um and i think i have a 15 year old and i often tell him uh, that his desire to want to be accepted in sort of in in a circle of uh, young men his age is healthy, but if he starts conforming to bad patterns to win the approval of those in the inner ring, uh, then he's actually going to habituate that, and that you know he could literally become a serial killer. <laughs> um, you know, I say that sort of with a giggle, but seriously. Um, so anyway, that's what Lewis is sort of pointing at. And then he, and then he starts to have a broader conversation about what we do as humans to find ourselves in various inner rings. I hope little Dale doesn't develop a complex about uh, possibly becoming a serial killer. Just well, that's true. I plant the seed. I mean, yeah. <laughs> just uh, guys, uh, pray for Dale. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's right. Uh, one of the things that is important in the essay and in Lewis' conception, in fact, is that there's not, in one sense, it's just human. You can talk about human relational needs, really. It's just human to want to be included in, uh, uh, in intimacy and in concentric circles of intimacy, which is, you know, marriage, you know, is, is obviously in one sense, the, uh, the ultimate inner ring is this relationship mm. we call marriage. Uh, and so there's good things about the inner ring. Um, uh, one of the things I think that Lewis is very perceptive about is the, is the manner in which uh, various communities and groups manipulate the human desire to be a part of the inner ring mm. versus, versus uh, uh, offer intimacy 
without the need to, or without manipulate, without manipulating you into kind of earning it, if you could put it that way. Yes. And here's what I mean by that is in the nice, what you see is uh, the way that Mark is controlled by all of his superiors is precisely that if he doesn't do exactly what they want, they threaten his access uh, and they hold his desire, his desire for access as that thing by which they hold him prisoner. Mm. He wants to be respectable. He wants to feel important, you know, this sort of thing. Uh, and there's a contrast to that with the, the Abbey at St. Anne's. Mm. Because at St. Anne's, one of the most fascinating things is that it's very intimate. They do life together. They're actually somewhat interchangeable. They kind of have a, a, a kind of functioning uh, guildish sort of household at St. Anne's. Yes. Uh, but one of the things that's really, really fascinating about St. Anne's is that you're included fairly quickly. There is some threshold Jane has to get over in order to be included at St. Anne's. She has to be kind of uh, uh, declared in some way to possess a common project with them. Yeah. But the moment she does, her inclusion is all the way. And there's an attempt, there's an attempt even on the part of St. Anne's to get her. <laughs> you know, there's an interest in her. But once you're in, you're in in a very thorough way. And the uh, 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 and your desire for the inner ring is not then manipulated and used against you. Uh, and in fact, uh, you know, they have a skeptic because it's not that St. Anne's is meant to be a a kind of well-functioning human community, not the eschatological community. So they keep around people who have a common project with them, even in a provisional way. Part of the St. Anne's community with total access, almost, I should say, almost total access. There are some things he doesn't share, but almost total access and hospitality and joviality. There's a skeptic there. Uh, and Lewis is kind of imagining a mode of the inner ring functioning according to the order of charity, or is it mm. the nice it's functioning, I think, according to the the order of human manipulation. And I think that's that's also very relevant for us because the, yeah, I'm actually just going to pause there because I think let's tease out how that's useful for us. Well, Wait, I was going to say, it's interesting that you're, you're, you're taking that angle. That's an, in, because when I was reading through Lewis's essay, he really talks about um, the desire of those trying to penetrate through the rings. And what you're drawing our attention to, which I hadn't considered, is uh, the people that are already in the ring understanding that desire to want to get in and using that as a means to um, manipulate those that want to get into the club uh, and how that can be very dangerous. And uh, let's talk about that a little bit more, because I think that's probably what we see happening, um, you know, and whether it's work or even church communities, uh, yeah. schools, um, you know, golf clubs, whatever. Being Any based of, on the internet. Being uh, based on the internet. Right. And that's what I, that's, so he makes a, he makes a, he makes a point in the essay. He says, you know, you might find yourself sitting down with a guy having a cup of coffee and you know, the guy's in the ring and the guy makes an off the cuff remark. Uh, almost as if he's testing you to see how you'll respond to the to the remark. Um, and that's sort of like the initiation into the next, you know, can this person even be considered as a candidate for the inner ring? And so you make a little off colored joke, you make a little snide remark, you see how the person responds. 
Uh, and if the person responds in a way that the, you know, the guy in the inner ring approves of, then he sort of begins to become accepted. And I, I've seen this personally um, with the, you know, meme wars, the great meme wars of 2016, and then, yes. you know, which have given us what we have now. Um, you get a collection of guys that all share some basic principles, and then a joke is made here, a meme is posted here, an off-colored comment is made here. And if you don't accept those things, uh, you could find yourself on the outside of this group of people uh, mm -hmm. that you're chatting to on the internet. And so you're almost, um, it's almost like a magical spell that's happening that once you're caught up inside of it and you let yourself be, uh, you know, seduced a little bit more and more against your better judgment, you find yourself in the midst of what could be described as absolute wickedness <laughs> uh, and your toleration for inappropriate behavior um, starts to crumble and that does things to your soul. Um, right. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because in, in one sense, like I know we talk about this a lot, but this is just another example, I think, of how the, this kind of thing, though, is so civilization wide. And, and what I'm thinking of right now is the 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 way that inclusion in a minority label functions to manipulate people. So mm -hmm. it's very interesting to me. I mean, there's, this is, of course, obviously true in a lot of ways. And I think the way the and this is bracket you know bracketed comment here this does not mean there's nothing significant about minority labels in some cases yeah. i think there are a lot of cases where minority labels mean things and identity does matter and you know that's a that's a, a conversation to have but I, i'm just bracketing it for the moment it is nevertheless also the case and this is also what just makes it complicated it is nevertheless also the case that uh, identity labels and labels of victimhood can be used for manipulation mm -hmm. uh, and there's a social there is a social credit. Uh, there is a social credit and a uh, an avoidance of it being my responsibility to fix things. Uh, uh, credit. Yes. <laughs> if yes. you can insert yourself inside a particular label, and one of the things that's interesting to me is how that's not what happens in, it, in a lot of people's imagination when you say something like that is everybody thinks of their token examples. Oh, I see how this person does that. I see how Black Lives Matter does that, or I see how whatever does that. But we don't see how we do that. Like when you look at actual, if you simply study the rhetoric, yeah. like get rid of the verbs and nouns, and you just look at the adjectives, <laughs> and the mm. adverbs and you say and you look compare the rhetoric to the other side it's precisely the same rhetoric it it's fee it has the vibe of precisely the same level of lizard brainness uh, and the point i'm trying to make in saying all of that is that it, it strikes me how common it is that this is kind of a source of manipulation a source of public manipulation that if you don't if you don't agree with the, the kind of interest group about their grievances, that's kind of the pressure, then you don't belong to the intimacy of that group. Uh, and I think there, what you see then is as a kind of manipulation. And, and again, I'm not 
pointing to any singular group. This almost seems to me to be almost like a, a just a deeply common pathology that is our uh, part of our contemporary default settings as a civilization, lest it be really, really resisted and seen. But part of resisting something is to point at it and name it and label it. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's interesting because there can even be rings that, um, you know, it's not always about prestige or popularity or power. Uh, sometimes groups can emerge uh, and, you know, again, inner rings and then concentric circles out from the inner rings of groups of people that share the same sort of lament uh, or the same um, uh, uh, attraction to vice. So um, Lewis says this, he says, um, <clears throat> He says, it's not always an invitation from a duchess. Uh, that would actually be very cold comfort to a man smarting under the sense of exclusion from some artistic or communistic courtier. Poor men, it is not large lighted rooms or champagnes or even scandals about peers and cabinet ministers that he wants. It is the sacred little attic or studio, the heads bent together the fog of tobacco smoke and the delicious knowledge that we, we, four or five all huddled beside the stove are the people who know. And we see this all over, I think, um, particularly in, you know, conspiracy theorist circles. And this is not to say that, you know, I understand conspiracy theory operates as a way to call people crazy who might have a genuine insight into something that's happening. Um, but if you find yourself in the middle of a group of people that are constantly looking for conspiracies everywhere, there is this sense of like, well, we actually know what's going on. We are the, we, it's almost Gnostic, like we are the possessors of the secret fire, uh, which is going to save civilization. Um, and that can be attractive to young men in particular, I was just listening to a podcast by Jordan Peterson. He was discussing the uh, recent mass shootings in Texas there. Um, and they were talking about really boys and uh, what's going on with boys maturing. Um, and we talked to Anthony Eslon not too long ago about something similar. Yeah. Um, but, you know, boys are unique in that their desire to fit in is so strong that they will commit atrocities to fit in anywhere, even if it's among those who have committed atrocities, right? right. So um, there's like a social contagion with mass shootings, where young men are sort of, um, <clears throat> they're off, they're, they're marginalized from all of the groups that they see emerging, they feel different. And so they find their sense of community um, in some, you know, perverted uh, community. So now if I shoot a bunch of people, then my name will be recognized. People will right. finally hear me. They'll see me. And that's sort of where um, they find an identity. Uh, that's all, And I'm saying all that to say that um, it's not always the inner ring of a respectable community that's being right. sought. That's very crucial. Yeah. And, and sometimes it could be against that thing over there that everyone respects. And well, respectability itself can become this kind of moniker that's sort of like, oh, the people after respectability. 
as a, you know, comma, as opposed to those of us who don't care about respectability, don't exactly. you want to be in this club? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, exactly. and the same kind of lizard brain things are targeted. Um, and I think it's, it's interesting. And again, this is a civilization wide thing I'm about to say, but I'm, I'm going to use the moniker of identity politics just because it's accessible. But I th- well, though, in a sense, I maybe it's just uh, uh, useful to say that identity politics is everybody. Everybody identifies themselves these days, whether they think they do or not. Everybody today is involved in some sort of identity project by default. And there are certain, I think, personalities and temperaments that are involved in both, again, right and left, everywhere, that are involved in, in ever more fragmenting identities. So conservative isn't enough, you have to be this kind of conservative. Well, even being that kind of conservative that's into natural law, you gotta be this kind of conservative. Well, it's not right. that kind of political effectiveness, it's that kind of political effectiveness that combines with this and votes for Donald Trump and does this thing and thinks it's about Eric Fifteens to be that. And so like endless fragmentation, and you see this on the left, it's almost like the, the political right-wing version of LGBTQIAism on the other side. You see, and again, I think that it, it sort of shows perhaps that the the inner ring is the, the pull toward the inner ring, as Lewis identifies it, is so much a part of the grammar of it uh, that that the moment this the moment a large group enter a label, oh, now we can be out about being gay and lesbian. Well, there are, oh, there's new sort of subgroups that are kind of new specialty groups in a sense, you might say. Uh, the, the labels get more and more and more differentiated. And one of the interesting things about this, this is not, it, it, this is not, um, uh, this is not my observation. I mean, there's actually very, 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 what we would identify as left-wing political thinkers like uh, Judith, uh, who I think now goes by Jack, uh, but Judith Halberstam, Judith Jack Halberstam, you can look up both names. I think you'll get the same author. Uh, but uh, Halberstam argues that, in fact, endless differentiation of sexual identity is very much maps onto contemporary endless differentiation in the marketplace. Uh, mm. An endless differentiation of identities is an endless, differ- an endless differentiation of, poly- of, uh, of uh, products. <laughs> yeah. from the endless differentiation of identities. But all the while, what's interesting is that under the presumable march of a, uh, under the presumable presumable march of ever fragmented identities, we're actually all exactly the same and very predictable. And your individualism, like your endless crafting of the self toward pure particularity, and this stands just as true for the person who, is radically individualistic, you know, truly, you're functioning just like everybody else, you know, to be Mm. individualistic (laughs) Uh, in America is to act like everyone. (laughs) Yes, that's right. And it's, and it's sad because, you know, the consequences of so now, uh, you know, the LGBTQ thing, um, the word social contagion has been used a lot. Like you can really map it out. There are like pockets that once a handful of people come out as transgender or whatever, uh, more people will rally around that. And one uh, case in particular, there was a a young lady who um, was in junior high school. Uh, Then she started identifying as a lesbian. She was she was a 
you know, for all intents and purposes, a nobody, right? Like she was on the margins. She got bullied, didn't have any friends. She was a loner, walked around with her headphones on. She identified as lesbian. She found herself a bigger community and now she had friends. Uh, and then she identified as a, a boy and uh, she had a mastectomy and started doing the hormone therapy, um, started growing a beard. And then she won uh, prom king <laughs> like two years later. So she went from a, from a nobody, you know, in the deserts of loneliness to front and center stage of high school prom king wearing the crown, the song, the cheers, all the friends. Um, now, I know it's not so simple because, uh, you know, it's when we're dealing with, um, you know, LGBTQ stuff, there's a lot, there's a layers of complexity that I'm just not able to comment on because what do I know? But I can point at that and say, it seems fairly obvious that the desire to be accepted in what was once a very, very marginalized group of people uh, to enter into that headspace, to pursue that identity, rewarded that person to, uh, on some social credit level, right? At least yeah. within the immediate community. And our society, it's interesting because our whole society is geared towards that. Again, you were talking about identity politics. It's geared towards giving uh, minority groups a voice and a spotlight and people pursuing to, the pursuit to be identified with that group that's being spotlighted could actually have very, very significant lifelong uh, consequences for the one um, that pursues it. So, um, yeah, yeah, I guess we're just we're, we're talking about the same thing, but I'm I'm just yeah, sort of you're, well, I think what you're identifying right out. there is kind of the um, well, you know, even if even if we could look at the particulars of one case and say, okay, that's not the example. When you see that forty percent of women, young women between the ages of fourteen and twenty-four, identify somewhere on the LGBTQIA spectrum. It's very difficult because uh, you were talking about how males, the inner ring is very necess necessary and how it functions. And that's true. It just functions in a male way. For females, it functions the same way. It's just it, it functions differently. And one of the things is its relation to the, you know, the team versus the group, in a sense, if we could mm. work with those archetypes, uh, more interchangeable parts. And what you see, uh, I think, uh, uh, in a lot of young females and, and a lot of Gen Z female writers write about this now. This is not... This is not coming from me. There are plenty of Gen Z female writers, if you want to go find them, who are you know, have journalistic talent, who are basically arguing uh, you pass better. You know, it's not uh, being included in the group is easier uh, if you have some label, some minority label. And again, you know, this whole theme of pulling you by manipulating you by the label, in a sense. If you have some label, you have more cred. And you don't again, and I think this is where it gets back to McClay, Wilfred McClay's point in The Strange Persistence of Guilt. Uh, the, 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 the minority label also helps deal with my own perception of my own uh, 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 
my own responsibility relative to the unburdening of this world of its ills. If I am predominantly a victim and code myself as a victim, uh, it's a safer space to be than I am responsible for this world and I must do what I can to. And, and again, that's why everybody, <laughs> everyone, not just the people on the left, everyone codes themselves as the victim. Uh, yeah. uh, and I, and I, and, and, and what you're identifying there is I think what, a Taylor or a, a Truman would call just the politics of recognition. Uh, this is what the politics of recognition are meant to do. Um, I'll say something else in a bit, but let me throw it back to you. Yeah, and I think it's good that we're pointing at this because like, so what, what, what does it do for us to even notice that this is a thing, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's not a thing, it's not a problem for that guy over there. That's a problem for me. I know for personal, personally, mm -hmm. as a young man growing up, um, all of the trouble that I got into was because I wanted to fit into a crowd um, that I thought I should be fitting into, but not because of personal preference or taste. It was almost like, I don't know, it's interesting when you try to explain it, because I was raised as a Christian, you know, in the church my whole life, mom's been praying for us forever. Um, and then when I started to mature, I fell in with the crowd that was like everything opposite of my mom and the culture that I was raised in. Um, so it wasn't even that it was appealing. It might just be like, I don't know, I'd have to think about that more. Anyway, I think it's good to just point at that and say, am I actually doing that in any, any part of my life? Am I doing that at church? Am I trying to click up with the little group over here that meets and talks and people look to and they know it's a thing yeah. and do I try to attach myself to it? And yeah. yeah, or it can it can be as simple in some I think in some people's cases more maybe more people than we realize it can be as simple as uh, I either choose to be a rock star or nothing. Uh, mm. I, I either I accept a world in which I have the most exclusive inner ring imaginable or whatever. Uh, I'll mm. just be a, an undiscovered genius, you know, or something like that. There's a lot of people that live that way. Very most of the mm. time, they're not actually geniuses. Occasionally, there is an undiscovered genius. Um, sure. Uh, yeah. One of the things that it, you know, is you're right. It's helpful to point out one of the things that it helps me think through, and I, I think this is true all the time, that the devil loves to, I think the devil loves to, uh, 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 divide and conquer. This is part of screw tape, right? The screw tape letters is sort of make one group emphasize this and one group emphasize that. And the, uh, uh, but they combine it with just sort of something insane <laughs> so that both yeah. things lose credibility and none of them come together. You know, let this side be the truth side and that side be the love side. And these guys justify their lack of love. These guys justify their lack of truth. And then they never have to come together. And then the real sparks happen. Um, what, one of the ways I think you see uh, one of the ways I think you see this here is over the theme of inclusion. The talking point of inclusion, I think, is it's so thick these days. We're triggered by it. Oh no, not inclusion. That's lefty. That's the Marxist speak. But really, it's interesting on the Marxist side. What is it? What is inclusion? 
there is not, I shouldn't say on the Marxist side, I just mean in the general hive mind of the, the general hive mind that is uttering the word inclusion, however you want to describe that hive mind, that hive mind is not one that is actually interested in sincere right. <laughs> human inclusion. And one of the things, again, that's so interesting to me about Lewis's portrayal in that hideous strength of a kind of redeemed community or a community at least broadly in the process of repentance uh, is that it wasn't included the inclusion was not automatic it's not that there's no kind of rules of the game or rules of the community but the inclusion was aggressive it, it, it was aggressive toward persons and once you're in you're all the way in inside the kingdom as it were uh mm. yes there's different roles yes certain people have authority but they're not inaccessible they're right there with you the the level of of intimacy and access and community involved inside of a well-functioning human community is very very high and so when i think about like applications for today one of the things that i think about is you know um the Jesus movement in the 70s, you know, which was sort of a bunch of hippies. My parents were largely converted through the Jesus movement in the 70s. And uh, you, hmm. you can see my little flower shirt here. And, <laughs> and guess that I you can take the boy out of the Jesus movement, but you can't take right. the Jesus movement out of the boy. So, yes. you know, I was raised in the Calvary Chapel movement. And Calvary Chapel was a good kind of halfway house to, toward like a usually it's a halfway house for people to go elsewhere to kind of get the full the full picture <laughs> yeah. but the function as a halfway house is nevertheless illuminative uh, you know it was a time when uh you could be a hippie who was convicted of your sin and show up to church in like jeans and a tattered t-shirt and people at church would be like whoa yeah like don't come in here uh, and part of what made the Jesus movement function is that it sort of said, well, just take, you can come in the door, you can get in the door of intimacy as you are. There's nothing like there's a, there's an aggressive hospitality. Now you're not going to be left as you are. We are going to talk about the drugs and the premarital sex and all the things, because we're going to read the Bible and talk about what it means to follow Jesus and all the things. Uh, right. But like, we love you. And like, mm -hmm. we're a hospital here. You know, I really, I grew up in a church where, uh, uh, you know, we had very, very, very obvious uh, uh, persons who had come out of a lifestyle of homosexuality. And that was very, very, very known. And I sat next to them in church. And so yeah. for me growing up, it was like, yeah, some people struggle with homosexuality. Guess that's a thing. We've all got our thing. <laughs> yeah. And it was actually... I think quite healthy because in the body of Christ, that guy was included. And he, this, this guy I actually sat next to, he died of AIDS with elders around him in the, in, in the nineties, you know, there were elders around his bed, listening to this man pass away from AIDS. And that I think is a beautiful picture of the kingdom of God uh, and the kind of inclusion, uh, inclusion as a talking point, in a world starved of home and community that we don't want to cede to the left, which is really no inclusion at all. Yeah. 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 
I amen, brother. And that is a beautiful picture. And you know, where we we talk about unity, this is the one thing that what I was reminded of. We're not reminded. This is where my mind kept going as I was reading Lewis. Um, you know, I'm part of a community here, and I'm responsible for organizing a lot of people towards one one goal, right? And the difficulty in that, it's just like a church. The difficulty in that is that um, you're going to have clicks all over the place, right? Yeah, that's natural. And that's natural. That's right. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, it's, but it, but you, I think what you need to do is inoculate the community uh, against a sort of tribalism that can right. emerge. Um, because if it's like, well, yeah, we're on a community, but we are really the ones who are actually doing the proper, uh, right. the proper move in this community. And while they might be connected to us in some way, mm. uh, they're missing a big part of the picture. Now, that might be true, uh, but it's like, what do you do with that, right? Like, how do you have genuine unity if you think that you're the one that uh, should be listened to and followed? And you may be that person, uh, but what does unity look like in that community? Um, and so I think it's just like a self-awareness needs to be deeply, we need to have uh, an eye towards our own weaknesses when it comes to pursuing these sorts of inner ring relationships. And, and we can have them. But if we're self-aware of our ability to deceive ourselves and others and the implications of our acts in the community, if it's an act bloomed that blooms out of the inner ring, yeah. are you benefiting the community or are you learning to resent them? Um, because they're not exactly like you would like them to be. Right. Um, so a deep self-awareness of our weakness in our own rings uh, keeps communities sort of fresh, actually, and alive rather than fragmented and pulled apart. And I think what you said about, uh, um, you know, the screw tape uh, letters is just exactly right, right? You know, like Satan would like nothing more uh, than to split up vibrant, strong communities into little atomized sub-communities and subcultures uh, where they're all gossiping and whispering about those guys over there um, because then there's no solution, right? It's just like get along to get along because whatever. So I, and I guess I'm, I'm emphasizing the practical so much because this is practical. It is just the way that we live. And we need to be very careful about how we we go about developing these things. So yeah. That's the yeah. No, I th I think that's absolutely right. And you know, I think what you and I are in, in some sense trying to underline, like we're we're no exception to this. Like I can exactly. look at the whole I can look at the whole story of my life as some attempt to be sucked in you know, I, I can see uh, uh, the extent to which i myself have been subject to poll illegitimate poll manipulative poll by the desire for access to the inner ring one of the things actually you know and i, I don't mean this to toot our own horn it's just because i find it beautiful i'll say two things actually and this is the last thing i'll have to say uh two things that stand out to me and i i i, I think about a lot are that the New Testament, I think sometimes when we read the, the ethics of Christ or we pass by, you know, read through 1 Corinthians 13, 
we think we're just kind of reading the basics and we get onto the complicated stuff. Uh, but when I read those passages at this point in our civilization, in an era of Twitter, yeah, or when I just like open up the book of Proverbs in an era of Twitter and I read yeah. them, I literally read in the Bible a universal recipe for the salvation of civilization. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, wow, there are two or three sentences, just two or three sentences in the Bible that are literally civilizationally saving. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. you, can, you, can go through, you can go through lots of them. And a lot of them have to do with this desire to have access to the inner ring. Um, one of the things I was going to add to that is... Um, I've appreciated Davenant so much, even though I don't want to toot yes. the word of Davenant and I don't want to act like Davenant. It's not a perfect institution. We're all sinners. We've all had fights. You know, it's a very human yeah. institution, just like every institution. But one of the things that has nevertheless seemed to me a work of the Holy Spirit at Davenant is that when you come to any of our events and when you reach out to the Davenant network or a lot of the folks in it, the feeling of automatic inclusion and access is very thick. So you come to a, a you know, our convivia and you're watching a person that you don't know is world famous in their field, but they're washing your dishes. And when you yes. talk to, <laughs> when you talk to them, they're not talking to you like above you and down to you. And even afterwards, the level of access, I, I you know, when I first connected with Davenant 10 years ago, the availability of people to me when I had questions and the little network that Wedgworth and Escalante set up, the level of access you had to really fraternize with people and to be taken seriously and to have your questions taken seriously I think was a very special part of what became a a unique project that pulled together and I think had a capacity to pull together a diversity of gifts. And that's what I wanted to, in fact, connect back to the New Testament is that I think what the New Testament really, if I could look at its kind of formula for community and put it in a sentence, it would be something like recognizing the diversity of gifts and letting the, the, the tension between you be mediated by love. People mm -hmm. are different, they err differently, they tend differently, and you train each other, you give each other your strengths and you train each other in righteousness, but largely love covers a multitude of sins. Put up with things that are difficult about them, giving them your strength, but also getting close enough them, to them then to receive from their strength. And mm -hmm. I think that kind of inner ring, the, the inner ring that the New Testament envisions is an inner ring governed by charity, uh, which has boundaries. There's no question yep. that it has boundaries. It does not mean enablement. There's all sorts of distinctions to be had, but yep. it's nevertheless one that would be a scandal to the world. Uh, 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 Shane Morris was on our program and said this about interpreting the Bible, and I thought it was right. There are some things that the Bible commits us to believe that are going to scandalize a lot of people in on various issues, and I think this is one of them. There are some programs for community and scripture uh, that I think would scandalize a lot of our perception of what we need to do and prioritize in our communities, in our mm. homes, in our relationships. Mm. And I think this Lewis's insight about the inner ring and how we're manipulated by it is actually one diagnostic that helps us 
kind of be free uh, from a link into ourselves that actually helps us move in unhealthy ways. And then to identify what is the inner ring that's righteous? What is actually that movement toward intimacy and community um, that is actually righteous and is not intrinsically exclusive of others who would take up that common project from me, where I don't need enemies. Yeah. Uh, I might have them, but I don't need them <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> to define myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. I, uh, I think that's a good note to end on. I was refraining the whole time because I've been wanting to bring up Davenant too and Convivium, uh, but you're just a self-promoting narcissist more yeah. than I am. So. Yeah, it's it's the level of inner ring that I am attached <laughs> yes. to myself. That's how bad yes. it is, guys. Yes. Uh, no, but I will. I just want to affirm that that one of the things we talked about actually. I recorded a podcast with a couple young men that were there, um, and uh, they they actually said that before we started recording. It was Colin Redimer and I, and uh, I think both the guys are at um, uh, Reformation Bible. Bible. Reformation Bible RBC, yeah. And they both said it's just amazing to us that we show up and like everyone that's speaking all the people they listen to on podcasts the people that they re read their articles and their books and everything we're all smushed in one room and their voice when they talk carries just as much weight as the next guy's voice in terms of we're going to listen to you right yeah um they they are heard and they're interacted with seriously yeah. And that is what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, if we can make communities like that, um, where you at least respect what the person in front of you is saying and you give them a fair hearing, yeah. um, even while maintaining your status in whatever ring you're in, uh, then that seems like a good way forward. Um, yeah. And I think that people are attracted to us precisely because we embody those things at Davenant. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, I just wanted to add to what you're saying. And yeah, this was a good conversation, brother. Yes, brother. All right. Well, uh, you can uh, head over to YouTube and check out um, previous episodes by Joe and I. We're also on iTunes and all the things. Um, so uh, until next time, Joe, I love you, brother. Love you too, man. We'll see y'all later. See ya.